Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're broadcasting from the Maple Knoll Na- Radio Network here in the Cincinnati area, and as always, are striving to be your source for inspiration and information to start or grow your own real estate investing career. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has its second meeting for the month of August tomorrow evening. That's Thursday, the 20th of August, for those of you who are listening on the web and wondering if you're hearing a podcast or not. Uh, Interesting topic tomorrow night. Um, One of those hardcore topics that you just can't get to other than at a real estate investors association and that is how to use the public record to get information that you need about deals get so many questions about how do i find out who owns this house how do i find out how much they owe how do i find out if they're in foreclosure how do i find out how the house is zoned how many square foot feet does it have and those answers are actually all available for free online And tomorrow night, you're going to find out where those things are available for free and online. So uh, you can find out more about that meeting by going to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. You can download a free first-time guest pass there if you'd just like to come and visit and check it out. The early meetings include how to of get started in rental real estate and also a lecture about the new uh, closing um, process that is going into effect on October the 1st and how it might affect your purchases or sales of properties. Again, that's CincinnatiRIA.com. The meeting is tomorrow night. It's at the usual location, the Community Action Agency building at the corner of Langdon Farm and Reading Road, where Swift and Commons used to be, but is not anymore. If you have been by there lately, they've torn down everything over there except for the CAA building. Um, We're going to uh, take a couple of quick questions here because after... I guess it was last week's show or the show the week before that, uh, all of a sudden a bunch of questions came in after we were not on the air anymore that uh, I wanted to sort of get out of the way uh, this evening. Um, I have a question here from Eric that says, I'm in the Orlando market. The local association of realtors reported that MLS sales were up 33%. Median price is up 8 percent and the average mortgage rate is 3.98 percent at that rate we have 3.5 months of available inventory these are the type of numbers that we experienced in 2006 (laughs) since you were investing at that time what lessons can you give us in regards to evaluating comps when preparing to present offers to sellers what signs should we look for 
to avoid getting caught in another bubble. Now, for those of you who did not listen to last week's program where I interviewed an author who had written a book about surviving the real estate bubble, you can do that by going to the uh, website, uh, realliferealestate.com, where our podcasts are kept. It was pointed out to me today that we've got like eight years worth of programs up there now. If you just, I don't know, you could you could practically ride the real estate bubble by just listening to the podcast starting with, you know, 2008, 2009. Uh, but th- that'll give you some background to what Eric's question is about. Um, the one thing that I can say is that uh, our guest last week talked about how even though prices are once again going up and inventory is, as you mentioned, way down, the um, growth in prices, the growth in real prices is actually pretty sustainable at this point because the the, the median prices, which are what's always be, being quoted by the Association of Realtors and the press and so on, are a measure that that says that half of the sales that are happening are above that price and half are below that price. It is not an average, and it doesn't speak to how much the value of any given property might have gone up over the course of the last year. What it says is potentially there are um, more houses that are selling that are more expensive, perhaps because they're new, perhaps because they are bigger houses with more amenities uh so that so some some of the statistics that you're that you see are a little bit misleading it doesn't mean that your house went up in value last year eight percent eric it just means that the median house price went up eight percent at the same time you do need to be watching the comps you need to be looking at what properties in that particular neighborhood are doing and when you're making offers, you can do it fairly aggressively because, you know, if you're seeing that last year this time houses were selling for 120, this year this time they're selling for 125, then you can really look more at the 125 than the 120 because you're looking at growth in value over time. And uh, in terms of what to watch for in another real estate bubble, it is, I'll tell you, the 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 thing that told me that we were having a real estate bubble uh, last time was how much speculation there was in the market, how, how how much of the market, particularly in Florida, particularly where you live, was being driven by investors who were buying properties not to renovate and resell, but buying them uh, sometimes pre-construction, right? Sometimes they were buying a lot and a builder and assuming that in a year, the value of the house that would be built there by the time the year was up would be 30% more than what they had paid on it. When homeowners stop driving prices and investors start driving them, people who are not going to live there and don't, don't ultimately have to make those payments, then you have a problem. And we're not seeing that yet. Not, not even in Florida. So um, yeah, inventory is way down because there's a lot fewer foreclosures than there were. Uh, prices, median house prices are up, somewhat driven by the fact that new houses that are being built are expensive houses. 
And uh, interest rates are very low for right now. And as they rise, that will have a dampening effect on the real estate market. But on the whole, I don't think you have to worry too, too much, Eric, about being in a real estate bubble at the moment. But yes, keep your eyes open. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to the topic this evening, which is the opportunities in buying and selling notes and mortgages. If you have any questions about that throughout the show, you can call us at 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email by going to our website, realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're talking today about... An opportunity that most real estate folks have sort of heard of, fewer actually understand, and even fewer than that bother to implement. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little blip here that came out a couple of days ago in one of the trade journals. It says Bank of America is offering five pools of residential mortgages for sale, totaling one point two billion dollars that range in status from current to modified to non-performing and skipping down the article a little bit uh, the private market is not the only place where non-performing loan sales are taking place in the secondary market Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have executed several uh, NPL sales in the last year Freddie Mac has sold about 2.76 billion dollars worth of deeply discounted single family residential mortgage loans since July of 2014. Fannie Mae sold a non uh, its first several ever bundle of non-performing loans in May 2015 worth 762 million dollars and announced its second sale in late July. Now, when you hear something like that and you don't say to yourself where's the opportunity for me? Where's the opportunity for the guy on the street to profit from this? You are probably making a mistake. And today, we're going to tell you what that mistake is. My guest is Joe Varnador from Note School. He bought his first investment property when he was 19 years old. And since then, he has created and brokered over $30 million in note transactions. He's been an author, speaker, and trainer for... 25 years and says there has never been a greater opportunity for real estate investors to use non-performing notes than there is today. Joining us from his home is Joe Varnador. Joe, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you so much, Vina. It's uh, good to be with you on the call today. And um, yeah, everybody should certainly be uh, asking uh, where is the opportunity and how do I... uh, how do I take advantage of that? Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is not the news we're hearing about real estate inventory. We're not that, we're not we're not hearing, right. you know, one point two billion dollars of new real estate inventory has been released onto the market. We're hearing one point two billion dollars in note inventory has been uh released onto the market. Why is that? Why why are these banks selling their defaulted notes instead of foreclosing and letting us buy the houses? <laughs> you know, here's uh, it's been a very interesting market uh, in since uh, 2008, since since the market crashed and uh, inventory has has it's there, but it's a little more. It's you got to go around the corner to get to it, Vina. You've got to you've got to know how to how to how to make that happen and. 
especially with lower-priced inventory, the inventory that's now worth about $125,000 or less, the banks and the, and the government-sponsored entities like you were just talking about, like uh, Fannie and Freddie and, and HUD and FHA, they decided that it probably wasn't a great idea for them to try to foreclose on all of these, these non-performing loans that are, that are inside the, the system. And by, they just didn't want to have, and by the way, that number, the real number that we've, we've determined uh, through Note School and the research that we do, there's about 9 million non-performing first, uh, first residential first mortgages in the United States right now. And that's something you certainly would not have heard uh, on CNN or CNBC or, or any of the, the stations out there like that. So it's, it's why are they not foreclosing? They just don't want to have all of this inventory. They would, uh, the, the banks and the GSEs would certainly rather sell that in bulk uh, to hedge funds, private equity firms, and then let the hedge funds um, you know, get that uh, inventory out into the hands of, of people like you and me and, and all of the real estate listeners, uh, real estate investors that are listening to your show today. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's something that is totally different than than what you would normally think. And and so a lot of people are would be thinking, so hey, um, yeah, I can I am not buying the house and I'm buying the note. And certainly we're going in the back door by buying the notes directly from the hedge funds and. Uh, when we do that, we either uh, are going to get a, a a loan that we can modify, or we're going to get the property. So, at much cheaper than having to buy it uh, at the local foreclosure sale, I might add. Mm-hmm. And this is this. It, it's not that note buying hasn't been around forever. It has. Oh God! I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I remember hearing about this when I first got into real estate, which is more years ago than I care to admit. But um, there's been sort of a seismic shift uh, since the market crashed, uh, where you can't, where where like normal people can get mm-hmm. their hands on non-performing loans that Bank of America at one time owned. Now, as you as you just alluded to. It's not by buying them from Bank of America. It's not that I'm gonna. No. It's not that I'm gonna go there and say, "Hey, you've got 1.2 billion dollars worth of loans you want to sell, and I want to buy the one over here on 123 Easy Street." It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work it that doesn't way. Work like that. That's you, right. <laughs> you actually, you actually have to have 1.2 billion dollars and buy them all. But that's right. <laughs> the people. But that's a good deal when, if you could, that's a great deal. <laughs> sure, sure. But the, the 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 companies that do buy them, the hedge funds that you reference. Um, mm-hmm. You know, t- typically they do a number of things with them, but one of the things that they often do is they do make them available in in you know property by property or uh, maybe area by area. Maybe it's you know if you can buy all the ones we have in Hamilton, Ohio, then we'll sell them to you. But we're talking about much smaller dollars there. Yeah, yes, most definitely. And I just I just want to read uh, a little bit from you to you from another article that uh, you referenced a couple of the articles that uh, came out in <clears throat> in DS News. I've got one here that. Uh, says that 800, 890 million in subprime, and I love the way they, they phrase this, Avina, vintage debt is the uh, <laughs> secondary market. Vintage. <laughs> and, it, and it goes on to say, the majority of the subprime debt in this offering is from the height of the subprime lending bubble, 2006-2007, <laughs> although 
there is one group of loans from Countrywide from 2004. Uh-huh. Many, many of which probably haven't been paid since 2005. You're <laughs> right. Well, they, say, they go on to say that the original face value of those loans are $764.7 million. And they've 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 they they're currently the value on their books is about forty five million. So it's uh, when we when we talk about these loans or we can literally buy them directly from the hedge fund. And the great thing is that we can buy them on a one off basis, meaning you know we can we can register with one of the hedge funds and and um, they'll send us a, what what in the industry is called a tape, but it's really a spreadsheet that has. Not a thousand loans on it, Vina. That would be a little uh, a little overwhelming for most investors. But with twenty twenty five loans on that, and we can go through and do some due diligence and, and make an offer and buy one of those loans. And typically, what we're doing now is uh, we're paying anywhere from twenty to fifty percent of current value. Twenty to fifty percent of current value. So it's it's a a very very inexpensive uh, way for investors uh, to get into the the real estate investing market without having to go buy the house. Mm-hmm. Now some of our some of our newer listeners may be mm-hmm. sitting here thinking, now why I'm I'm, I'm missing a step here. Why right. would I buy somebody else's mortgage if they're not <clears throat> paying it? Why would I give any money for that? How is that worth anything at all? So maybe we better walk them a little bit through. Why don't Why don't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> what happens so let's, next? Let's do this. Let's 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 kind of start back at the beginning. And and you know a lot of a lot of people on you know on the show and are listening are very new, as you said. And and so a lot of them may not even know what we're talking about when we're talking about buying a note. And I just want to you know kind of put that into perspective. So everybody that's listening, um, if you've bought a house and you've financed it through a, a bank or a or Fannie or Freddie or HUD or any of those folks, you sign a lot of documents when you go to closing. The most important document that you sign, uh, as far as the lender goes, is the promissory note. And the promissory note contains the terms of the loan. You're, you're promising, it's an IOU saying, I, Joe, am going to pay Bank of America over the next 30 years $787 a month at 7% interest, and uh, I'm going to make 360 equal payments. And most of the time, the homeowner actually gets the deed to the property. So the note is the, is the promise to pay. And, that's, and when someone stops paying, the lender then has to foreclose on that promissory note in order to, and go through the judicial foreclosure process, by the way, in order to get the deed back to the property so that they can own the property again, and then resell it so they can back themselves out of that. So that's really when we're talking about a real estate note or being in the note business, we're just buying the paper on that. And and banks figured out a long time ago that it was much better to be the lender versus being the landlord in a lot of cases just because you know the check you get every month is a net check and you're not having to worry about the taxes and the insurance and the upkeep and all of those things. So anyway, what happened uh, was that between 2003 and 2007, um, there were a lot of loans made that really shouldn't have been made, and uh, the folks that, that you know had those loans, they just they couldn't make the payments on them. The, the the balances on the loans were very high, and so there was a lot of lot of challenges with with people not being able to to make their payments. 
And so during that process, you know, they got a payment behind. They got two payments behind, three payments behind. And the interesting thing, Vina, is that when you, if you get a payment or two behind, you can call your lender and say, oh, thank goodness, you know, I've, I've just gotten a new job, I can make a payment, and they'll accept it. But an interesting thing happens after you get more than three, four, five payments behind. You call your lender and try to make a payment, and typically they're going to tell you, we don't want just the one payment, or we don't want just, we can want take one payment, we want all six that you're past due. And you're like, well, I don't have $4,000, I have $800, but I can't pay them all. And so a lot of times the, the lenders just, you know, they kind of filed a foreclosure process but never followed through with them. And so what we have are these, these, these properties, and, and some of them are vacant, and some of them are, are people, the, the owners are still living in them. And um, so there's a lot of different, uh, different categories that these loans are in. So once the once the lenders and once these things have, have have become delinquent and they've become delinquent, you know, three, four, five, six, seven months, then and in some of these cases, as Venus said, some of these borrowers haven't been paying on these since 2005, 2006, 2007. So it, it's an incredible thing for for a lot of people to wrap their minds around and say, oh my gosh, these people have lived in these houses for five, six, seven, eight, nine years without making a payment, and the answer to that is yes, and. Um, so what the you know so what's happened now is that the banks have just determined that we're way too far down the road. All of the municipalities are yelling at the banks and their legislators saying, "We've got you know the taxes aren't being paid on these houses and so on, and we need for you guys to start pushing these these, these houses out and say if you're not going to foreclose on them, then you certainly need to do something else." And so when, uh, when a lender like Bank of America, they may have 5,000 loans uh, that, they, that they push out to a hedge fund. Heck, last summer, HUD sold 23,303 non-performing loans in one day, which to me, you know, when I think 23,000 of selling anything in one day is incredible, but, you know, selling 23,000 non-performing loans, and these are loans that are all over the United States, and... Um, so they sell these to hedge funds, and there's about eight different hedge funds that are, well, there's more than that, but of that 23,000 lot pool, um, hedge funds like Roosevelt and, uh, and, and Watermark and Condor and these different hedge funds buy those, and the lenders are selling them at such a, a huge discounted price uh, to the hedge funds, therefore the hedge funds are able to then sell these non-performing loans to individual investors. So we could buy one, or we could buy 20, or we could buy 100. And again, so the, the typical non-performing loan, you may, have a house, you may have a borrower that owes $100,000 on this house, and the house is currently worth $70,000, so they're $30,000 underwater, which I think there's about 4 million houses still underwater in the U.S., but anyway... Um, so if we if we can uh, buy that loan for about twenty percent of the current value, uh, we, we've got we've bought that loan for about twelve thousand dollars, and so we've got a house that's worth sixty thousand. The borrower owes a hundred. So once we buy that loan, we become the lender. We become the bank, and um, there's only three processes: uh, modification, deed in lieu. In foreclosure, 
Does that kind of get that kind of clears it up a little bit, Vina? Mm-hmm. Well, at the the um, the conversation that I keep having with people about notes, and and mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm not the right person to talk to about that. You are, but <laughs> so many so many <laughs> folks are are so curious about how how does this work? Is okay, great. So now I have something I've spent twelve thousand dollars on that mm-hmm. no one's paying me for. Right. And yes, I get that the house is worth $60,000. And if I'd have paid twelve for the house, I would be so ecstatically happy. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But right. I don't have the house. So y- y- you just gave a couple of options about w- what happens next. The, the mm-hmm. y- you know, you can foreclose like a bank would foreclose. You can do a deed in lieu, which means go to the owner and say, look, I don't want to foreclose and you don't want to be foreclosed on. Why don't you sign me over to the house? Right. The the thing that, the thing that I think uh, people sometimes miss about this is the third option, which is often the most profitable. Mm-hmm. And that is work something out with a guy who's living in the house and wants to keep living there or he would have moved already. Absolutely. So let me, let me kind of run through that real quick as well. So we know, and, and through Note School, and we have a, a tremendous amount of very successful students all over the U.S., but so if I buy the loan, and I've got $12,000 in that loan, and Vina, uh, the borrower still lives in the house, and even though they haven't paid in a long time, they know that at some point in time, the other shoe is going to drop. And so they're there, and they're kind of waiting for that to happen. So if when I buy that loan from 12, for $12,000, and I can, I can get a hold of you as the borrower, and you're still living in the house, and when I talk to you, I can actually, I've bought the note at such a discount, I could certainly say to you, Mr. Homeowner, I know you haven't paid in a while, and I'm here to help you, truly help you, not do what a lot of the lenders are doing and what we call in note school extending and pretending, which, you know, not not giving any, any forgiveness on any of that. But what I can truly do then is is modify or offer to modify your loan. So, Mr. Homeowner, um, what I would like to do for you, you your house is worth 100 um, I'm sorry, your house is, you owe 100 your house is worth 60 I want to lower the balance on your loan from $100,000 down to $60,000. And I want to modify it at 7%, and we want to do that over a couple of hundred months. So once we've done that, and, and one that I just you know, was successful in doing is, you know, I did that same type thing. And so now I have a lo- we have a loan that we've got $12,000 in, and we've got a borrower that's uh, repaid that is now paying again, and they're paying $425 a month for the next 200 months. Now, you know, you can do the math real quick and say, how many $425 a month payments do I need to get before I get my $12,000 back? (laughs) And um, so that is one of the, that's one of the, the, the benefits. Not only are you profiting yourself, but you're helping to keep a guy and, or a lady in the house that they really want to be in, and you're truly helping them to do that. And um, it, it, it's, it's a great feeling to, to be able to offer that kind of uh, incentive to someone that's there and, um, and to make a difference in their lives and, and keep them and uh, keep their families in place. And they're still going to their same churches and their same schools and everything else. So that's a real benefit. And, that's, and the interesting thing, though, Vina, is 
you know, as as we you know delve deeper into the into the note business, um, we could actually then sell that that non-performing loan. Now that we've got it re-performing, we could sell it as a re-performing loan, and we could sell that loan for about thirty thousand bucks. So we could sell the loan to someone else, and and that's a great thing as well. Or we could hold on to it for the cash flow. Um, we've just become the bank versus being the uh, being the landlord in that case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is exactly what I was hoping that you would get to, because the next objection I hear after why would I want <laughs> to pay $12,000 for something that wasn't right. performing is, but I don't want to kick people out of their houses. Banks do that right. and they're evil, blah, blah, blah. But really, the goal is to keep people in their houses in a way in which banks apparently cannot do. <laughs> At least they, they don't do well, it. They, they don't. could have, but they chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, you, you, you're, you're, the, the, the most likely options here are you either do get the house for 12000 and a deed in lieu, or you get the house for 12000 right. plus some foreclosure expenses, so still half right. price, or... You get back sixty thousand dollars with interest on your twelve thousand dollar investment, and the family who was was going to go through foreclosure gets to right. stay in their house and take the benefits of it instead. So, um, yeah, all, all all great information. We need to take a quick break. I do sure. want to invite listeners to send us any questions that you might have about this strategy of buying notes. Uh, just uh, go to realliferealestate.com, click the button that says ask a question, and it will come to me via email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are having a conversation today with Joe Varnador from Notes School about why you might want to look into buying and selling notes and mortgages. Uh, a couple of things when I say we're having a conversation, I only mean that in the sense of you get to play if you send us an email. RealLifeRealEstate.com is the place to do that. Um, second thing is, if you want to learn a lot more about buying notes and mortgages, you need to mark your calendar. November the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th is the big OREA National Real Estate Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati. Joe will be there. He will be giving a couple of presentations on this, along with 15 other speakers on a whole bunch of different topics that are really relevant in today's market. In a couple of weeks, we will be talking more about that and how you can sign up and support public radio here on WMKV. So do not, do not forget to stay tuned on Wednesday nights over the next few weeks. So um, this all sounds really good. Like, <laughs> well, so many, so many, so many of my colleagues are just whining and complaining about the lack of uh, REO inventory, distressed property inventory in the MLS, and it has. I mean, it's been it's been cut by more than fifty percent now. Yeah. Thanks to thanks to both you know fewer foreclosures and the fact that, as you said, a lot of the distressed type assets are not being foreclosed on by the banks and becoming REOs. They are instead being sold as notes. And this is, you know, a backdoor to, to getting those assets that uh, few enough people know about that there's mm-hmm. not a ton of competition in it. Right. Which, which, which alone to me makes it worth, you know, learning, learning more about. <laughs> um, but we should mention 
that uh, there's also we're talking about non-performing notes. There's there's also opportunities out there for folks who just want to passively park money. They just want to you know spend their twelve thousand dollars and and just get payments on it in performing notes. You're ab- <clears throat> you're absolutely right, Vina. And and again, uh, you know we I like to say and and and. I talk about this uh, all over the U.S., and, and whether I'm in California, I was in Tennessee and Nashville last week, inventory right now for investors is the pain point. I mean, that's that's just exactly what everybody is looking for. And, you know, it, it's one thing to have inventory, but you have to be able to buy the inventory at a deep enough discount so that you can make a profit on it at the end of the day. So, you know, everybody loves to talk about the non-performing side, and, and it is it is just super exciting. And, and I look forward to sharing that with the, with uh, everybody that's going to be at the at the uh, expo in uh, in November, uh, but the other part of that is is you know when and you were talking about a minute ago and when I started in the note business twenty five years ago, um, there really wasn't a lot of non performing notes around. I mean it was it was a lot of seller finance notes. So you know, Vina, you had a house you wanted to sell and and uh, you didn't want me to have to go to the bank, so you just simply uh, did a seller finance loan on that. Same thing as borrowing it from the bank. I was just borrowing it from you and. And I gave you a down payment, and you gave me an interest rate and a length of time to pay it back, and and uh, it uh, worked out very, very well, and it still does. And and we know that uh, we know that that right now the stats are saying that about 45 percent of the folks that go out and apply for a loan, a traditional loan through a lender, are getting turned down. So it's it's still pretty tough out there for you know for for folks that. Are in these, you know, the lower the lower uh, priced homes to go out and and get uh, and get a loan. I heard you say a minute ago that, you know, the the uh, the luxury homes are, are really booming, and they are. There's plenty of that inventory, but it's the it's the affordable homes that that matter. So, um, yeah, you can uh, certainly go out and buy a uh, at some point in time. You know, if you decided that. You know, you would receive payments, but you would rather have a, a lump sum of cash. Well, you could you could sell that performing loan, and um, when you sell that, I may want to buy, or we may have somebody else that wants to buy it in their uh, in their self-directed IRA. And you can buy that loan just like you can buy a piece of real estate. You can buy a real estate note, a performing real estate note, inside of your IRA, and the returns on those are anywhere from from 8 to as much as 14%. So it's an incredible incredible investment to make. It's a very safe investment to make and um it can be lucrative for the borrower as they as they uh they're making their payments and and the uh and you as the lender are receiving that that monthly payment inside of your IRA. And you know one of the things I like to point out is the the money that you make in your IRA obviously is your self-directed Roth is obviously tax-free, so you're receiving that money and um, you're actually getting a little higher rate of return than than what you think you are because you're not having to pay tax on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is a lot more to learn than you can learn in a 45-minute radio show. <laughs> and and I always Yeah, there is. <laughs> well, I, I I always I always I always feel I always feel obligated to keep keep saying to people study study study. Um yeah. not 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 never pull the trigger, but but don't don't go pull the trigger based on 
you know, wow, that sounds great. There's there's no way to lose because there there are there are things that you look at when buying performing and non-performing notes that are different than what you would look at with real estate. You know, you, you just you mentioned right. that um, you know, performing notes are a very safe investment. Well, that's more true if you have a payment history on that note because Absolutely. You know, I, I can I can say, oh yeah, this guy's made me every payment for the last five years. But until you've actually seen the payment history and see, oh well, he's gotten behind by three months twice, and somehow <laughs> managed to get caught up. So he's really not that great a payer. Maybe you want to get a higher rate of return to to you know satisfy the 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 increased risk that this guy might at some point default. Um, you got to look at what, you know, not, not just what did he borrow to begin with, but what is the balance now? What is the interest rate now? Who's paying the tax right. and insurance? Are those current? You know, there's 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 lots of little things that uh, you need to know if you're going to do performing notes or non-performing notes that is different than what you may have learned about real estate. Now, True. And, you know, they always say the devil's in the details, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah. You know, it's just just as if uh, we were buying a, a house that we were go an ugly house that we were going to rehab and then resell. Um, there's the due diligence piece that you do on that, and um, obviously there's a there's a there's due diligence that you do when you buy a when you buy a whether it's a non-performing note or a performing note. I mean, on the non-performing side, you know, we're very concerned about what the collateral, what the asset, the house is really worth that we're buying the note on. And obviously, we want to make sure that um, the the title is, is, is transferable and it's the original note and, and all of those things. So there's a due diligence piece that we have to go over there. And when we're buying, a, if we're buying a performing note, you mentioned a pay history. Yeah, pretty much uh, I could say, hey, Vini, you want to buy this performing load, and this guy has made every payment. The payment was due on the first day of every month, and he has never been late. <laughs> and he's been doing that for four years. Well, okay, uh, can you prove that to me? And uh, we, we always talk about, uh, as part of that, is a verifiable pay history. You know, you're not just taking the taking a check or if it's cash, just kind of sticking it in your back pocket, but you're actually um, – you know, verifying, and, and you have proof that the borrower has been making his payments, his or her payments. And uh, we like to talk about at Note School that, that most uh, most investors, when they're buying a, a performing loan or even a non-performing loan, is to have a third-party servicer, somebody that comes in, and it is their business to to manage whether it's a non-performing loan or a performing loan. And uh, to uh, make sure that the the payments are paid on time and and that there's a verifiable history so that if I say Vina, yeah, this guy's made his payments every month for the last 40 months and you go, "Well, Joe, does that do you have a, a pay history on that?" Absolutely. I have uh I have FCI that in California that that uh that uh that services this loan and I can have them send you a verifiable pay history that shows when every payment has been made every month. So you know, there's always, always the due diligence, and uh, we always say, you know, you got to trust, but you also have to verify everything you you do, whether you're in buying houses or you're buying notes. And mm-hmm. I'll just add that that you can do everything that you can do with a house. You can you can buy one, you can flip a house, or you can flip a note, or you can you can buy a note and you can uh, fix the note and you can hold on to it and for the cash flow. <clears throat> 
mm-hmm. or you can buy it and and wholesale it to someone else. So it it uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so we can do anything with a note that we can with a uh, with a piece of property you know, when we're buying that. So it it makes total sense, and we always always show uh, show our folks how to how to do the due diligence on everything they do, and that's that's just part of the part of the process. Yeah, so so true. And uh, when 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 people say uh, after you know the two minutes of conversation that we have about notes, well, I, that sounds a lot more complicated. It's it's not it's not more complicated than buying and selling real estate. It's just different. So it's just different. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, if you if you learned how to buy and sell real estate, you can learn how to buy and sell notes. Now let, let's go. To you some... know what I you know what I I say when people say that to me now I say. Uh, it is. It, it's. It's not what you're used to. It's different. And and you know when we uh, we always talk about change. And you know so if you're going to be in the note business, you just have to have a bit of a paradigm shift where you say, okay, I'm going to be looking at notes uh, versus looking at the property. But I always say when they say is it complicated, I, I always kind of answer like this. And I'm not picking on anybody that's a that's a rehabber. I'm just saying, is it easy to find a find an ugly house? find a bunch of uh, subcontractors and contractors to rehab that house and deal with everything that goes along with that and then then either find a realtor or, or market it yourself if, if you're if you're great at marketing um, you know there's some pieces that go with that so you know there is nothing that is worthwhile that's that's easy and if any somebody tells me something is easy I, I really might that red flag goes up you know <laughs> I say it can be simple and it can be simple if you know the process to follow and mm-hmm. and you you don't know what that is until you until you learn the business and it's it's scary for everybody it's scary for everybody i remember i was telling somebody the other day i remember that first ugly house that i bought when i was 19 years old i remember the smell when i walked in the door and, and i and i remember the fear of when i drove away from the closing table and i bought that thing and i wondered what in the world have I done, you know? And um, so, you know, there's a fear there, and there's a fear that, but you get over that. And it's the same way with your first note. You buy your first note, there's some fear there, but you you make that, that you, you do your homework, and you do your due diligence on it, and it's the same way it is with a house. And, you know, you, you do the same things, and you, different things, but it's the same process. And it, it becomes something that, that it's just a repeatable process after that. I always say it's like kind of a first time you drove a car with a stick shift, you kind of stumbled through it, and then now you can uh, you can drive a, a stick shift and you can talk on the cell phone and comb your hair and, and eat a hamburger while you're doing it all at the same time. So, you know, it, it's just it's just learning something a little bit different. And, you know, with, with this part of the business, it's, you know, it, it has to be that, we all need the inventory, and if we want to be able to buy at a deep, deep discount in order that in order to make a a decent profit for ourselves and our our families, then obviously we've got to we've got to go to where the inventory is. And right now, a lot of that, most of that 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 great inventory, that that great priced inventory just happens to be on the note side of the business. So we've got to go a little different route to get to it, but we can certainly get to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very good uh, information and advice, Joe. We are about out of time, but again, I want to invite listeners to come and see your presentations at the 
2015 OREA National Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati on November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. We're going to have an opportunity for folks to get seats to that through our fund drive in a couple of weeks at a deeply discounted price. I can come to all four days. For like a discounted Norton note, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of value for very little money. That's right. So Absolutely. Uh, everybody stay tuned uh, to hear more about that. And uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>